Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another enriching episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have the privilege of hosting a dynamic guest. Yes, I'm talking about Ryan Nidal. So welcome to the show Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Lovely. So Ryan, like before we start our conversation, I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that Ryan is not just a CEO or a business uh, consultant, investor, um, and the entrepreneur as well. So he is a seasoned professional who expertise, whose expertise is sought after by many in the business realm. Yes. So from leading his own companies to success to being a trusted advisor for others seeking the business advice, portfolio advancements and also uh, the partnership opportunities. So he has earned a reputation as a go-to resource for all things business, small businesses, finances and many more. So uh, his entrepreneurial journey began at a very young age when a local businessman took him under his wing introducing him to the fundamental uh, foundations principles of running a successful business that's really interesting right so this early exposure ignited his passion for the opportunity uh, leading him to run a business like mowing lawns as a teenager and evolving into highly successful and sought after business consultant as he is today. So join us as we delve deep into Rand's incredible journey and also join us because uh, exploring the lessons he has learned is really uh, great to know about and all the challenges he has overcome and the valuable insights he brings to the world of business and the entrepreneurship. So get ready for a conversation that uh, will inspire and empower you on your path, on your own path, rather I would say, to a healthy mind and a thriving life. So without further ado, let's welcome again to an accomplished Ryan Nidal to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Lovely. So Ryan, like uh, to start with, like if you can share your story behind MIT 45 and its mission to bring the life-changing benefits of uh, Kratom to a billion people worldwide. Typically. Absolutely. So, and thank you again so much for having me. Really excited for our conversation. I'll, I'll jump right in that the our company, MIT 45, was actually created by two other individuals, right? I got to come in much later. I got to come in after they had grown and scaled and and they had to hit a little bit of a resistance point without knowing what was next. So I'm going to I'm going to go back to the origin story of the company because I think it's incredibly important then jump into how how I came into the picture. And so 
the, the company was created by two gentlemen, Sean Brady and Dalton Locke. And they had owned another business in Southern California. And as they were packaging up products, right, to ship out, small operation, they're working tirelessly, right? I'm sure you can appreciate what that's like. You know, you're, you're, you're doing everything you can to make the business work. And that's where they were at and finding some success with it. And as they were doing that, as they were pushing product, you know, out the door and, and helping fulfill shipments, they had a series of Thai-based workers, people from Thailand, that were also in the fulfillment part of the business. And from standing on their feet all day, from, you know, just the, the 12, 14, 18-hour days, months at a time, they felt tired, they had some aches and pains, they had some things like that. And one of the Thai workers said, you know, Mr. Sean, try this product, this might help you. He said, I don't know what it is, right? I don't want to, I don't want to try anything. I don't know what it is. This is, gosh, this is way back 14 years ago now. So, right, this is, this is 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And so the product that these Thai workers had Sean try was organic kratom powder, right? And they said, look, it's going to taste very bad. Just put it in some water and drink it. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, enough pain, right, causes us all to change. And so he was in physical pain and ailments. And he said, okay, fine, I'll try it. He tries it 30, 45 minutes later, as he tells the story, he just felt incredible, right? Tons of energy, tons of focus, lots of clarity, just kind of a a euphoric feeling overall. And he said, this is profound. How come the world doesn't know about this product? We have to, we have to get this to the world. You know, as as luck would have it, there's a reason why people didn't know it existed. It was still pretty new to the U.S., mm-hmm. right? It wasn't something that was in a lot of commerce here. And so Sean is this internal optimist and thought, gosh, we just package this up and let people know about it. Everybody will buy it. It'll it'll change the world. It'll help, it'll help a billion people. Well, as anybody that started a business before might know, it's not quite as easy as it ends up being, right? So they they shut down the business they were in. Mm-hmm. and pivot to create a Kratom business, Sean, Sean and Dalton. And it takes five years, six years to, to really start to even, I'll say, just figure it out with global supply chain, with bringing quality products, with establishing a brand, especially inside the, the Kratom market in the US, you're not supposed to share any structure or functional claims, right? You can't say it's going to solve X. You can't say it's going to help with Y. So it's very challenging to figure out how to market something without being able to say what it does. We're then simultaneously on the backside, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration here in the US, right? They have such a challenging job of figuring out what's healthy, what's safe, what's good, what might not be good. And and they struggled with, with Kratom across the board because back in 2016, 2015, there was a series of product that came into the United States that had salmonella in it. It wasn't tested. It wasn't good. And not not on our side, not on our company, but in, in the U.S. overall. And that led to, to people feeling uncomfortable with Kratom. And it led to a lot of false claims about it being an opioid, about it being addictive, about it being habit-forming, so much that it almost got banned in the U.S. It was right on the precipice of being a scheduled narcotic. And in the only time that's existed so far, the DEA, uh-huh. uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency, reversed their claim. They said, okay, we're going to schedule this. And inside of 30 days said, whoa, whoa, whoa. But there's no evidence for this at all. And so that moment in time, Sean and Dalton, prior to me, I still wasn't involved in the business at all. 
because they want to do the right thing, they took all the product they had. They said, look, if, if this is bad, if this hurts people, if this really is a drug, which we don't think so, but if, if it could be, we're going to destroy everything we have. Mm. So they took more than a million dollars worth of product and incinerated it. They took it to a, a, a Utah-based incinerator. That's where corporate headquarters are for us. And they just destroyed the product. They burn it. I mean, that's so think of that. You, you've worked your entire life to build this business. You've struggled, your blood, sweat, and tears. You, you're finally seeing some things work the right way. Mm-hmm. And then you're told it's not going to work. And so you, you still want to do the right thing. So you you literally imagine going to the bank, pulling out a million dollars and lighting it on fire. That's what they chose to do. And they needed to, right? If it was if it was a bad product, they, w- they wouldn't want to hurt people in any way. Well, when the government reverses those decisions, they say, okay, well, now we get to build again, right? Because there's no inventory, there's no money, you got to start all over, which is crazy after being in business for seven or eight years, you're literally back at zero. And then back at zero, they they leverage everything to the hilt, right? They take loans out against homes, they, they borrow money from anybody to start the business over again. And right on the backside of that is where I come into the picture, right? In early 2019, I come in as a consultant. And I had sold a company or two before in the past and just wanted to help. I didn't have, didn't have delusions of grandeur of being a CEO or a partner. Just saw two guys that I eventually cared deeply about, but at that moment in time, cared about helping them, you know, grow their business. And I think it's one of those things that much, much like any of us, when someone comes in from the outside with a new perspective and we give them just a little bit of trust and they've got a little bit of a track record. And we're willing to listen, even if they might be wrong, it might jog our thoughts and to create something new or, or just a different way to look at the same thing. They afforded me the luxury of being able to come in and do that. And in doing that, I've been fortunate to help grow a tech company and, and sell it off that had a couple hundred employees. I grew a textile business, right? Clothing grew and sold that off. I grew a CBD company and sold it off. And not, not that I know everything about business. I just know all the mistakes I'd made up until that point. And so I was able to share those mistakes with them and say, hey, I see some things that you're doing over here that I've done that as well. And I think there might be a better way to do it. And they were very receptive. And so that then led to, in 2020, being offered the chief operating officer role inside the company. And then that led to late in 2020, obviously, COVID was a, a big challenge for everybody. Fortunately for us, we were able to navigate that with with a level of grace, class, and excellence, as I would call it, where we we didn't lay off any of our employees. We actually brought more employees on. We we got very creative with global supply chain, and we poured into the community versus taking out of the community. We didn't go to the government and ask for help. We didn't we didn't take any loans out. We just did more of what we were good at, and very fortunately, we were able to do so, which then eventually led me to to being able to become a partner in the business. Been over a period of time, and then again, I commend Sean and Dalton for this. You know, they've been at this for nine or 10 years and just raised the white flag, if you will, and said, look, we're tired. We can keep pushing. We can keep running this business. Brian, we think you might be more equipped to run the business at this point. Would you, when you could, would you consider coming in as CEO? And I can't imagine how, you know, you, you give birth to this baby, this, this business baby, right? And you see it grow, you know, from, from toddler to adolescence to a teenager. And then all of a sudden you have to let the teenager leave the home, right? You gotta, you gotta, hand the keys off to somebody else. And, and Sean and Dalton have done that um, with so much grace in class. It's very, it's profound, right? I don't know if I would have that same same ability. Every time I've sold a business, I've completely sold it. I've said, hey, you know, you take the keys. I want to go do something else. I don't want to stick around. 
And it's been it's been wonderful because they they've stuck around, right? We're business partners in in Mit Forty Five, and it's been a very fun journey to go from twenty three employees where eight or nine of them were related to Sean or Dalton, normal startup type of type of methodology, to now we have gosh about one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty full time employees across five different rooftops, and you know do we we generate more in revenue in a week than we used to generate in a year. And it's it's been this fascinating journey to to see what's possible when when you really just stay curious, right? Not that not that as you're listening, you're looking for advice, but I think if there was advice I could give to someone, it's to stay curious. And when you stay curious, look to look to people you can trust for advice. If people are trying to sell you something, if 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 people are promising you to get rich quick or that there's some magic magic formula that's going to solve all your problems. I'd be a little leery of those people in the business world. Mm. I think there's some philosophical, some some really basics that every every business owner should know. But I think that, that when you look for help, which I think we all need help. I mean, I'm still getting consulted by individuals and have brilliant people that are, I call it a couple steps down the road further than I am, right? Their businesses are larger than ours and they've had maybe more success than we've had. Mm-hmm. I find such value in being able to have conversation with them and just, just ask questions and know that they want what's best for me. They're not trying to, they're not trying to hurt anything. They they know that a high tide raises all ships, and and it that just comes from that curiosity. That's really a big tip, Greg. So, uh, for the listeners, like who I mean, uh, are un- unfamiliar in detail, maybe about the kratom. So, uh, how does the kratom differ from other natural supplements or the remedies? uh in terms of providing the natural energy and the relaxation absolutely so kratom is a is a leaf of a tree that is regional to thailand and indonesia and if you look at the genealogy of the tree it's Uh actually in the coffee family of all things so it's it's just down the path from what a coffee tree would be and Uh and so those leaves come off of a tree and they eventually get dried now Kratom has a very low, what's referred to as melt point. And so you can't smoke it. You can't heat it up too fast. It's not a, it's nothing you you consume that way. It's, it's traditionally used in powders and capsules or steeped into a tea. And by the nature of that, this, this plant, which we're still doing consistent studies on, there's not a, there's not a tremendous amount of scientific data that exists, but we're, we as an industry are piloting that through and us as a company are, are looking to help support that in saying you know, look, we, we know anecdotally what happens when you take the product. You know, if you take a little bit, at least for me, I can't speak for anybody else. If I if I consume just a little bit of the product, it's energy, it's focus, it's mental clarity. It's this feeling of, of euphoria in a, in a very positive way. If I take a lot of it, and right, a lot is rel- relative. Um, if I take a lot of it, it's much more relaxing. It's much more calming. It's much more of um, a, a sedative almost type of feel. And you go back in time to see what the the indigenous tribes of Indonesia and Thailand use the leaf for. And when the hunters would go out, they'd pull a leaf off the tree or a series of leaves and they'd chew it through their hunt, right? And they would they thought it, it was good luck. It would help them hunt. And then when they come home, their wives or the, the tribe itself would have steeped this, this tea that was a communal tea for them to not only celebrate the, their hunt, but also to, to bond together at the end of the evening. And so to get really deep into the weeds on the science of, of, of Kratom and how it works, that Kratom is not 
a respiratory suppressing agent. Because what happens is if you were to go to Google right now and you type in what is Kratom in in the US, you're going to see a lot of questionable press. You're going to see the FDA saying it's bad. You're going to see it that it's habit forming. You're going to see that it's an opioid. Well, I think to start by by acknowledging that that we'd have to say what an opioid does, right? And you have you have receptors in your body. You have opioid-based receptors. You have them, I have them. Every human being on the planet has opioid receptors. But you have two different opioid receptors. You have an antagonist. You have, the I'll call it the big receptor. And you have a small receptor, beta receptor. And yet that antagonist, that big receptor, that's potentially the one that if you were to take a pain pill, bonds to that pain pill. Right. And it's it's we could we could argue if that's good or bad. I would say um, I don't love that. I don't love the the epidemic that, that's going on in the U.S. with people being addicted to pain pills. I think that's I think it's bad. I think in the right setting, right, they have their place. But then you look at the beta or the, the smaller receptor. And that's what typically happens if um, if you want to come off of opioids, you might use something like a Suboxone or 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 methadone. Those things trigger that receptor. So they're not bonding to the big receptor. And inside of Kratom, when the leaf is dried, there's a metabolite called 7-hydroxy that has been shown in a series of studies to potentially bond to the beta receptor. But as long as you don't enhance that, like in your manufacturing process, if you pull out that 7-hydroxy, I know this is very scientific and somewhat boring, but if you pull that out during your manufacturing process, that actually doesn't happen. Because when you look at just base level, like what happens when you take an opioid? We have respiratory suppression. You have a slowed heart rate. You have some very, doesn't matter what human being on the planet takes it. There's a response that everybody has. Well, when you take Kratom, that's not the response. You don't have any respiratory suppression. You don't have any decelerated heart rate. And so just by the nature of the comparison of those two, they're not the same. And right. So that's, that's one of the big challenges is getting good quality research out into the world that Again, for us as a company, if if Kratom hurt people, we'd shut down the company and do something else. Right? I mean, but we're 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 at this point now. We sell about seven hundred thousand bottles a month of product, so we're you know, between eight and a half and nine million units a year. And to me, if we were hurting people, you almost couldn't keep that quiet. You know what? You know what I mean? It's as crazy as that sounds. If the product was bad and it was harmful and it was it was hurting people in in the general population. You couldn't keep nine million people quiet, right? They're, but on the other side, um, we have millions of people that tout its benefits and how it's helped them live a better, more happy, more fulfilled, more more energetic, and more euphoric existence. So, again, challenging because there's not really great research, but across the board, that's that's what it does. That's really great. Yeah. So. Um... Are there any common misconceptions that Kratom uh, that you often come across? And uh, if so, so how does MIT 45 address them? Yeah, common misconception is it's addictive. It's it's an opioid. You know, we hear that um, for the uninitiated, for the uneducated, and it's not to cast dispersions. I get it. The first thing I do is hop on Google when I hear something new and say, what is, <laughs> insert the name. Okay. And if you do that with, with Kratom, you see the FDA saying a whole bunch of, of challenging things, right? That Food and Drug Administration here in the U.S. And by the nature of that, again, I commend the FDA and the stance they've had to take. They have to protect tens, if not hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. from, from harming themselves. And so the way that we combat that 
is we show that that research was done in 2016 and was a little bit flawed, that there wasn't a tremendous amount of information that the FDA was responding to protecting the, the you know, United States populace at large, a little bit based off of the um, salmonella that came in and some raw material and a little bit based off of uh, lack of knowledge. And there's a chance a little bit of wanting to protect the pharmaceutical industry, right? Certainly we don't believe that, you know, the average person should be trying to, to deal with pain and taking opioids on their own. We don't think that would be healthy, but inside of our world, we don't believe that the Kratom is an opioid. We don't believe it has those properties. And again, we can show a bunch of reasons to why that is. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we, we combat that is we show the level of research that we as an industry have been able to find so far. And we say, look, it's it's not a respiratory suppressing agent, right? That there are certain things that some people become habit forming. Right? I mean, there's some people that perhaps you and I know that can't get up and start their day without their morning cup of coffee. Yeah. Are they addicted to coffee? Is it habit forming or do they just enjoy it? And we're not banning coffee. We're not saying coffee's bad. We're saying, look, like one cup of coffee a day might be okay. If you're drinking three pots of coffee a day, you might want to slow down a little bit, yes. right? We, we believe a lot of that to be the same. The challenging part is here in the U.S., mm-hmm. in order to do really, really good research, it takes a lot of money, right? It takes tens and tens of millions of dollars, and it takes years and years to do it. And we're not against that. The challenge is when you get the research out, because the plant is naturally occurring, you, can't, you cannot patent the plant, so we spend $20 million for research and the research says, yep, the, the plant has all these benefits that'll help the industry as a whole, which is a big thumbs up. But we as a company have no way to recoup our $20 million because there was no way to patent that research. You're just researching a naturally occurring product, which is one of the challenges to me of getting good information out there is the cost or the investment. It's a timetable, the, the duration of time it takes, and the fact that the system, I don't say is rigged against a, a company because I don't I don't actually believe that. What I believe is the FDA has a very challenging role to fill, right? How do you protect customers? And what does protection even mean? Mm. Right? Because the whole system is built around that. And I think it should be. Um, but I think that some level of governmental funding and some sort of, you know, neutral based research, you know, if, if take coffee again, just because it's in the same family. Have we ever studied the long-term effects of coffee? Maybe, maybe, maybe we have, or long-term effects of caffeine, but probably not, right? Because it, we just assume that some things are good and healthy. So again, I, I digress at that long diatribe of information. The big thing is we encourage people to, if they're curious about Kratom, less is always best. You want to you make sure you do research on who's a quality supplier, who's a quality vendor, how do you know their quality, right? What's their importation process? What's their testing process? What's their manufacturing process? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure it's always good quality product that's unadulterated. Don't, don't, if someone's messing with it and changing the, the molecular structure, we don't feel like that's best. We think a, a plant in its natural form and its natural um, ecosystem is, is best for everyone. Sure. I think when you look at that, and then again, less is best. I would say the same thing for alcohol. I'd say the same thing for tobacco. I'd say the same thing for coffee. You want to start with just a very, very small amount and assess how you feel. Assess what what it is for you that you're going through and then go from there, right? You can add some or, or subtract some. But we actually believe that 25 milligrams 
of of MIT, Mitrogenus uh, speciosa, which is the which is the the main compound inside of kratom. We believe that's a, a great first first time serving, right? And try that. It's got a, a, a six to eight hour half life. So you try twenty five milligrams, which is a very very safe small amount, and then go from there. That's really lovely, Eric. So, uh, have you personally experienced the benefit of it? And uh, so, as you already mentioned, like uh, so, but how it positively impacted your life, your whole life? Yes, I, I have. So, I am for those people that say that kratom might be addictive, right? I, I would say that I have about as strong of addictive personality as could possibly be, right? I mean, the books in the background are because I'm addicted to reading. Going to the gym every day is because I have an addictive personality and like to work out, right? I am one of those individuals that when I find something that's good, I think a little is good and a lot's even better. In saying that, I don't have that same effect with Kratom. What I have done is taken very small amounts as a healthy replacement to to energy drinks. And I'm not saying that energy drinks are bad. I don't I don't believe, I don't know that good and bad really exists, right? I think that's it's all perception or perspective. Um However, I can say if I take in between 10 and 25 milligrams mm-hmm. of very, very pure Kratom, very pure, it, I, I get more work done, have more focus, more energy, more mental clarity, and just feel better than, than any other time. In saying that, though, I might do that once a week, right? To me, you get it, right? As, as a business owner, you have those, you look at your calendar in the morning like, holy cow, I got a full day today. I got a lot of stuff to get done. How am I going to make it all happen? That might be that day where I take just a small amount to to jumpstart the day versus going to the store and buying a Red Bull or you know doing things of that nature. And I'm not against Red Bull. I just I think this is a different way to view energy, clarity, and focus, and just that overall sense of well being. And it's right again. It's natural. Our main product, Mid Forty Five, which you know, comes in these little little tiny tincture bottles. I don't know if you can see just a little tiny dropper bottle, right? It has four ingredients in it. Vegetable glycerin, a little bit of citric acid, reverse osmosis water, and kratom. That's it. There's a, there's no major crazy chemical alternatives or, or additives. There's no, and we wouldn't put citric acid in it if it wasn't necessity, if it wasn't a necessity to keep it shelf stable, right? Because then we just have vegetable glycerin, water, and Kratom, right? So I can't call it natural, but it's pretty close to to a natural alternative versus you take that can of Red Bull and I have nothing against Red Bull. I worked for them in college, but you spin that around and you look at that ingredient list at the bottom and you can't pronounce a third of the names. Unfortunately, in our product, you can certainly pronounce all the names. Lovely. So, um, okay. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners to know about Kratom, MIT 45, or the mission you are on to share the natural energy and the calm worldwide? Yes, I think that, um, and thank you for the question. It is it is truly our belief that, that Kratom as a plant is a life-changing product. And a consumer gets to decide what life-changing means. For some consumers, it's energy focus, clarity. For some, it's more helping them sleep for some, it might be reduction of the the acknowledgement of an, a little nagging ache or pain. And that so much of Kratom is experiential, that you should try it. And we believe you should be 18 and over, right? This is not not for youth, right? But we, we also believe that for coffee and some other things, right? So I need to make certain that I'm not 
not say anything too crazy, but our goal is to have a billion people or more experience the life-changing benefits of the world's highest quality kratom. And I think when you you expand apart that mission statement and you look backwards at the end, it's the world's highest quality kratom. No different than any other substance on the planet. The, the shirt the, the shirt you're wearing, the suit that I'm wearing, right? There's different levels of quality to everything. And at some points, there's reasons to do really high quality. And some points, there's reasons to do more entry-level quality. Well, I think when you're consuming something to put inside your body, you should always look for the absolute best. And you go into it with what I refer to as eyes wide open. You do some research. And on our side, right, that research would lead you to clear, transparent labels and eyes wide open manufacturing processes and a whole bunch of things that we think are best for the industry and best for a consumer. And those world change or the life-changing benefits, that happens to be a, a person by person acknowledgement, right? What what the product might do for you and how it might make you feel and what you might experience could be different than what I experience. And that's one of the unique benefits of the plant is it will help you the way that um, you deem it you might quote unquote need or desire help. And so that's really the thing for us is, is quality education, letting people know what we feel like is this incredible benefit of a plant that's very misunderstood while simultaneously saying, hey, it's not for everyone. It's not for the youth. It's not for people that are on a lot of pharmaceutical products. That's probably not a good thing. Less is best. Start really, really low and, and see see how you feel. Assess your tolerance. Don't use it every day. Right? We think too much of a good thing is is never good. Right. So it's those sort of things that those little step by step um, actionable items can make it really enjoyable and can be a great experience that has some really life changing benefits for the average person. Great. So as it's really great to connect with you and understand about uh, MIT 45 and uh, the mission as well. So as we wrap up this eye opening episode, exploring the power of Kratom and MIT-45's mission to share the natural energy and the calm worldwide. I want to express my sincere gratitude to our incredible guest and our expert guide today. Uh, So like, thank you for providing us with a wealth of information on the Kratom and its origins and um, about the mission for of MIT-45. So thank you so much. Yeah, and, and your experience has definitely shed light on the potential benefits of this natural supplement in promoting the mental and the emotional well-being. So uh, for the listeners, I would love to mention, like, if you have found this uh, conversation both enlightening and informative, uh, and if you have any further questions or would you like to learn more about MIT45 and their mission, feel free to connect with our guest and I'll be sharing uh, all the social media handles so that you can connect easily. And also uh, stay tuned for more enriching discussions on healthy mind and healthy life. Until next time, take care of your well-being. Explore the new ventures of natural wellness and embrace the energy of a healthier and more balanced life. So thank you for joining us today and uh, we look forward to having you back on our next episode. So till then, stay happy, stay mindful. Thank you so much.